When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Under pressure, coming down on me, coming down on you. There's a lot of programs that are under pressure heading into 2023, and we got to talk about it. Welcome into the Hard Count. We are live in living color. We're so fired up to have you here. College football content year-round, the people show. So everything that you and I both love about this beautiful sport, well, guess what? It happens here every single day and live as we are right now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 Central to Eastern, a lot. A lot to get into. Like I already mentioned, some of the top programs that are under pressure going into 2023. Going to give you our full thoughts and analysis on that. This was one that we actually crowdsourced. Just tweeted it out yesterday. Not sure what we would get back. We got close to 100 different responses from y'all. Sort of paired that with my own thoughts. Got a lot to talk about with that one. The Sunshine State. You got Florida. You got Florida State. You got Miami. A hotbed of talent from a recruiting standpoint. Some of the best high school football players in the country reside in that state. So naturally, gaining pole position within that big three with UCF soon joining that big three, making it the big four as they head to the big 12 here pretty soon. Let's just take a pulse. Let's put our two fingers to the pulse of the Sunshine State and take inventory of what's going on there right now. Now, Florida is in the SEC, but Texas and Oklahoma in the not-too-distant future will be joining the Gators. And it's fun to speculate and say, how will they do? What, what's their record going to be the first year in the conference? We'll get to that when they eventually get into the conference. But as they prepare for the SEC, as they get their bearings and we move closer and closer towards them joining the SEC, let's, uh, let's take a, a look at how they're prepping before they join the Southeastern Conference. Then finally, we'll wrap this thing up talking about first-year expectations. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, his first year at Colorado. What can we expect from him from a win total standpoint? Want to do the same exercise for Matt Rule in Nebraska as he's trying to not just revamp, but rather rebuild that entire operation in Lincoln. And then Hugh Freeze, in the curious case of the Auburn Tigers, how are they going to do in year one? They now have the entire operation from program to powers that be pulling in the same direction. A lot of alliteration so far on this show, Nick. Let's add podcast to that. If you're on the podcast, we appreciate you rocking with us. For all of you tuned in live, fired up to have you here. We got a good crowd so far. College football don't take breaks, man. I, can't, I cannot stress enough. College football, the sport, the games happen during a certain part of the calendar year, but our sport... Moves at a rapid pace year-round. We waste no time. Let's get after it. Pressure Cooker Programs. We put this out onto the Twitter sphere. At J.D. Pacal is where I posted this question, so follow me there if you haven't already. But I threw this question out there and said, what programs are facing the most pressure heading into 2023? Now, this does not necessarily mean hot seat. It could mean pressure to get some ROI from what we've expected from you in the past. It could mean pressure to achieve a certain standard that you hold internally that may be different than other 
teams around the country. Notice I said programs. I did not say programs. Those of you that know, no. All right, so I'm not going to waste too much time. And we got a lot of different responses from y'all. But I want to pair that, the, the responses that is, on the Twitter page to some of our own thoughts that we have around these different teams. And here are the teams that I think have the most pressure to perform in 2023. And the response that we got probably the most is the Texas Longhorns. The Texas Longhorns, to me, are at a point where they're starting to really need some ROI. We need to have some return on investment from what we've seen so far during the Steve Sarkeesian era. And 2023 is supposed to be the year, and I think year could mean a lot of different things, but you got 10 of 11 starters coming back on offense. You have the quarterback in Queen Ewers who had a ton of buzz and a ton of hype when he came out of high school, went to Ohio State, and decided he wanted to come back home and, and play for the home state Longhorns. And now it's, it's sort of the time where, okay, you had your one year to figure it out, whether it be Steve Sarkeesian and, and the culture and Quinn Ewers and the offense. Like now it's the year where we need to see something if we're the Texas faithful. And to accentuate matters even more, who's the favorite in the Big 12 Conference? Like, who, who is just the far and away team that's got that conference by the throat? I understand TCU just played for a national championship, but guess what? They didn't win the thing. They didn't win the thing. And even if they had, Max Duggan's not coming back. Quinton Johnson, he's not coming back. They lose some key pieces as well. So it is a free-for-all within the Big 12 Conference, and that only further proves the point that Texas has a, a, a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous amount of pressure to get it done this coming year. And when I say get it done, I'm not saying win the Big 12 Conference. I think that would be a welcome sight if that happened. But we need to see a little bit more of a, a, a continued trend in the right direction. I think for Texas, I've said this before, I think appearing in Jerry World for that conference title game, that alone would be a success to me. If you win it, great, but that alone would be a success to me because Texas has put so much into it on the recruiting trail. they got a top three class right now. From a resources perspective, they have been active, it sounds like, in the NIL space in terms of being competitive there. They have some of the best facilities in the country. Like, they've put a lot into it right now. Now we want some ROI. Now we want to see something on the field that matches what we're putting into it. It's like if you go to the gym, and you just consistently show up. You do the right things. You have nutrition right. You're doing the right exercises. And if you don't build muscle, you might go to a different gym. You're going to find a different way to do things. I think this is the, the, the year, the prove it year for Texas. That's why there's so much pressure because of what they're putting into it. If you're not yet subscribed, like I said, we have content every single day for y'all. This is a college football community that y'all have equipped us to cultivate. And we're so glad to have you here. So if you haven't yet joined the party, now's the time. Also, follow me on the social channels to answer questions like this and join the conversation at J.D. Pacal on Twitter and on Instagram. The next team to me that I think is under a ton of pressure is the Ohio State Buckeyes. We've talked about the Buckeyes a fair amount on this platform, and they have a very unique standard. And you, I mean, if you're a Buckeye fan, you know what I mean when I say standard. Beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, play for a national title. The last two years for Ryan Day and Ohio State, they are 0 for 2. Now, with that being said, they've still won double-digit games. They still have a college football playoff appearance and are a missed field goal away from playing for a national title. But still, that's not going to cut it. 
Ohio State to me is very much so like that extremely intelligent kid with really strict parents. Really strict parents. Like he gets a 3.8 GPA and you're fired up if it's someone else in the class. For him, he's losing phone privileges. He's probably not able to hang out for a few weeks. He doesn't get the car. Like that's the standard. It, it is 4.0 GPA for Ohio State or bust. They expect more in Columbus. And now, having missed the mark for the last two years, having gotten that 3.8 GPA, really good for most people, not good enough in Columbus. Now it's a matter of, oof, okay. There's going to be a little bit more pressure. There's a little bit more of a edge of your seat feel if you're in Columbus. And that feel around Ryan Day. Hey, was he actually born on third base? Like Jim Harbaugh was saying? I mean, at first it kind of just seemed like outlandish rivalry speak, but now people are starting to look left and right and saying, yeah, well, the standard has to be met. And is it fair? For a lot of other programs, probably not. For Ohio State, similar to Texas, you put enough into it, you recruit competitively enough for that to be what you expect. Just kind of the way that it is. So Ohio State, a ton of pressure to achieve that 4.0 GPA, to win a national title, to win the Big Ten, to beat Michigan. That is the standard. Now, another response that we got a lot of in the Twitter sphere was the Texas A&M Aggies. The good folks in College Station. I love College Station. Heck, I worked in College Station for a hot minute for uh, a news uh, station out there, KBTX. Shout out, news, uh, shout out KBTX and news people everywhere. But Texas A&M has recruited very, very well over the past few years. Check this out. Four, six, seven, one. Y'all, that's not the last four to my social. That is the recruiting class rankings for Texas A&M since 2019. In 2023, right now, they currently sit at 15. Why is that? You're starting to see, on the field at least, Texas A&M hasn't lived up to the billing. It's just like Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. With great recruiting comes great expectations for your football team. And Jimbo Fisher and AM so far have not been able to perform up to that billing. Now, I credit Jimbo Fisher for this. And people say maybe he was having his hand forced. Maybe someone made him do this. Regardless, credit to him for making it happen. Hired Bobby Petrino to take over the offense, to fix what they weren't doing well on that side of the football. They were one of the worst teams in the country offensively this past year. Now, some of that could do with the revolving door they had at quarterback, and they ended up playing a freshman in Connor Wigman, but still, not nearly good enough. Bringing in some outside help, that's a humbling thing to do if you're Jimbo Fisher and the offense is your baby and Colin plays is kind of your MO and one of the reasons why you got the job at Texas A&M as the head coach and why they pay you as much as they do. If they don't win eight games next year, I think there's going to be a lot louder murmuring. I'm not saying Jimbo Fisher gets fired. I'm not saying anything quite as extreme as that happens. I suppose it could, but I would be surprised. I think if, if they don't win eight games and show significant improvement with how well they have recruited, even with the transfer portal exodus, I think there will be some folks that are a little bit more high volume with their unhappiness in powerful positions in College Station. So keep an eye on that. But Texas A&M undoubtedly have very high expectations from what they've garnered on the recruiting trail. And when you recruit as well as they have, the pressure is warranted. So time to perform if you're Texas A&M. 
I got a little ACC bundle for you here for these last two. Clemson and Florida State, I think, have tremendous pressure for different reasons. We'll start with Clemson. I've always said this. Clemson, to me, is Chick-fil-A. Do things a different way. They do their recruiting a little bit different. They, they take their visits a little bit different historically. Uh, they don't really go to the transfer portal that consistently. Up until the hiring of Garrett Riley, they hired their staff differently. Same thing with Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sundays, a little bit of a different tempo within that restaurant and how clean they keep it and what they, they operate under. And you're great with it for Chick-fil-A because they continue to give you the best chicken sandwich that's on the market for my money. Maybe I'm biased, but that's how I feel about Chick-fil-A. So I'm cool with them being closed on Sundays. That has been the same thing with Clemson. You're fine with them doing the visits the way they do it. You're fine with them not going to the portal because up until very recently, playing for college football playoffs, playing for national titles, that was what they had delivered. That was the product they had put before you. To be fair, Dabo Sweeney is the one who set that bar in Clemson, South Carolina. It wasn't always that way at Clemson, but he has now raised the bar, raised the standard to that level. Now, the last couple of seasons, that hasn't been the case. They won the ACC last year. They didn't look great in the Orange Bowl. Didn't make the college football playoff. This, the, the product, historically, has been a little bit better. So the pressure on Davo Sweeney, I think, is, okay, prove yet again that your way works as college football continues to evolve. Prove to us, us being the fan base and the college football public, that the way that you do things is good enough to win a national championship. Now, I think they have the roster to compete for a college football playoff. The receiver position, to me, is a question mark in terms of how explosive they can be. But you got the quarterback in Cade Klubnick, got a lot of pieces on defense. Like, the roster is in a, a position to where they could be competitive to that degree. But if they don't get it done, if the product isn't up to par, it's not Chick-fil-A, original chicken sandwich kind of standard, there's going to be some murmuring. Now, hear me very clearly. Dabo Sweeney's not getting fired, but there would be, I think, some pressure on the program as a whole. So the pressure to perform and to reach the standard you have set at Clemson, South Carolina, and the way that you do things is why there is that pressure. Because if he's going to the portal and, and overhauling his class and doing all the things that we've seen in modern college football, if he was kind of going with that trend, maybe the volume's a little bit more turned down. But you have a lot of people around college football saying, Dabo Sweeney, why don't you adapt? Now, I don't want to traffic in that too much because I, I trust Davos Sweeney to be honest with you but there's a lot of pressure in Clemson South Carolina second team like I mentioned Florida State they have pressure for a different reason the pressure for them is you're on the doorstep of winning the ACC you bring back Jared Verse you bring back your quarterback in Jordan Travis you've been building this thing for three years you've been building the Death Star for three years in Tallahassee and now Having won 10 games in year three, in year four, it's okay, let's take over now. We've been knocking on the door for a minute. We knocked on the door last year. Let's kick that thing down, man. Let's claim the crown in the ACC. And if not now, then when? If not when Jordan Travis is here, then when? If not in year four of the Mike Norvell era, when we've built to this, then when is it going to happen? As Clemson brings in a new OC, as Clemson brings in a new quarterback. If not now, then when? 
So I think the pressure in terms of the moment and the way it's ramped up to this is why there's pressure on Florida State. So pressure for different reasons, but pressure within the ACC nonetheless. So we kind of brainstormed together on this one, but the programs with the most pressure for my money, Texas, it's got to be an ROI year for the good folks in Austin, Ohio State. It's like the really smart kid. If you don't get a 4.0 GPA, if you don't beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, play for natties, then we might have to have some other conversations. Texas A&M, with great power, with great recruiting, comes great responsibility. Both Jimbo Fisher and Peter Parker can relate. For Clemson and Florida State, there's pressure. For Clemson, it is you do things differently. And because of that, we expect you to achieve the product that you have continued to achieve over the last couple of years. For Florida State, if not now, then when? Year four, under a head coach who has been building and building and building. Jared Verse is back. Jordan Travis, the quarterback, is back. This has to be the year in a lot of people's minds in Tallahassee. But appreciate y'all making that happen, man. A lot of fun to hear from y'all again. At J.D. Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. It is not uncommon at all for us to crowdsource different thoughts on topics and to hear from y'all so we can do the content that y'all want to see and incorporate the content that y'all are helping us produce. So thank you for that. But those, for me, are the pressure cooker programs heading into 2023. That was a lot of fun. Shout out to the podcast really quick, man. Apple a day keeps the doctor away. Apple podcast today keeps the doctor away. Might as well chill with us on the hard count. Shout out to everybody listening via Spotify. Glad to have you at the party, man. The party just continues to roll on. Appreciate everyone in the live chat. I see a lot of regulars. We're live on Tuesday and Thursday, man. Be a friend, tell a friend. Let's check in on the Sunshine State. You got Florida State, you got Florida, you got Miami. And why is this continuing to be a conversation across the college football public? One word, recruiting. It's a talent hotbed in the state of Florida. In terms of the top players in the country ranked by us here on On3, of the top 50 players, nine of them from the Sunshine State. That's just the top 50. There's a lot of big-time ballers that reside in that state. So what I'm trying to tell you is, if you are able to be the top dog in the state of Florida, it doesn't hurt your efforts in acquiring talent. And talent acquisition, name of the game in college football. X's and O's are important, but the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I can make the, all the difference for you. So I just want to take a pulse of these top three programs within Florida. UCF is joining the party here pretty soon. They're going to be in the Big 12. That'll be a whole lot of fun, and it'll just be a free-for-all in terms of Power 5 teams in the state of Florida. But I want to focus on the Big 3, Florida, Miami, and Florida State. What is the pulse right now across those programs? We'll start with Florida. I think the pulse for Florida for me is – on the edge of your seat, on, on edge sort of energy, if you will, within the fan base, because you have currently the number 12 recruiting class, which is up eight spots from 20, so that's good, but you're fifth in the SEC and you're behind Miami. You took Graham Mertz from the transfer portal at quarterback to replace AR. There were some other guys that were out there that certain portions of your fan base, myself included, thought could be a better option for you. Devin Leary being one of them. Austin Reed being one of them. Now, how involved is Florida with any of those guys? I don't know. But you got Graham Mertz. So there's a little bit of a feeling of like, ah, 
Was he the best we could get? Is he the guy to get us to where we expect to go here at Florida? And Billy Napier and his MO and, and what he has brought to the table so far feels a little bit like it wasn't what you had expected. What do I mean by that? We all saw the team picture. Tons of blue polos. You hear the term Billy's Army being thrown out there. It's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie to you. But all those blue polos were brought to Gainesville to bring top talent with them to, to contribute to the recruiting efforts, the talent acquisition efforts. And you're saying, okay, that's great, but we're not even in the top 10. We're fifth in the SEC. We brought Graham Mertz in. He could be great, but was that the best quarterback we could acquire? So you're saying we thought we were getting a head coach who specialized in talent acquisition and we're left with a number 12 recruiting class. What's going on here? That's why there's a little bit of an edge here. Because last year for Florida, it was I mean, six and seven. We'll talk more about that. I think that has to bake a little bit. But that's why there's a little bit of the edge of the seat feel. So here's the, the optimism. Like I was saying a second ago, I don't think this is an accurate depiction of Billy Napier's Florida Gators. First reason being, year one, a lot of what it is is what you inherit. Like what you saw on the field last year from Florida, yes, the culture is being installed, and yes, there was his handprint on it a little bit from an X and O standpoint, but primarily, more than primarily, it was Dan Mullen's Florida Gators, a team that went 6-7 and seven in 2021. People talk about TCU and how good they were and playing for a national title in year one under Sonny Dykes. That's extremely impressive, but Sonny Dykes just sort of fine-tuned a roster, already had a lot of talent. Quentin Johnson wasn't brought there by Sonny Dykes. Max Duggan wasn't brought there by Sonny Dykes. And I'm not here to dunk on Sonny Dykes and TCU. I'm just saying all first-year opportunities are created equal, if you catch my drift. So what you saw last year, I don't believe, is an accurate depiction of Billy Napier's Florida. The second piece, and this might be honestly the most telling, the whole Jaden Rashada situation. I think it just shows that it's not yet his operation, even more so. The first piece is, more than likely, that was a situation that you probably would blame the NIL powers that be as opposed to Billy Napier. Do you really believe that Billy Napier is in there negotiating saying, you know what, I think 13 million is the number we should go with. 13 million, make it happen. Do, you, do we really believe that was the case? Which is more likely, Billy Napier spearheaded that or the powers that be in the NIL space? The second, either way that you answer that first question, them not being able to make good on that 13 million, to have a contract lined out and signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours, wait, actually, pause, reverse, all that. I think that just shows what he was armed with and the, and the resources he's dealing with now. It's a process. It's a thing that just kind of has to bake a little bit at Florida. So I understand the frustrations with the talent acquisition and what you saw on the field, but I truly believe this is not yet Billy Napier's Gator football team. I think it's going to be. You hope and you pray that it's going to be and that he will get all that he needs to succeed. But all first years were not created equal. And that's how I feel about Billy Napier. That's how I feel about Florida. Sit tight for just a little bit longer. It's okay to have your on-edge sort of energy. Sit tight just a little bit longer. If you have not yet subscribed, 
would love to have you a part of this community. So many of y'all have helped us cultivate a really special college football show, yes, but community even more so. And so we're glad to have y'all here. If you have subscribed and if you haven't, no time like the present. Would love to have y'all along for the ride. Also, follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at JD Pacal. It just equips us to do more of what you want to see by hearing from y'all there. We're not always live, obviously, but when we're not live, you can reach me there. We can do content that y'all want to see and have a good interaction there. Second team we got to talk about within the great state of Florida, the Miami Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal. The pulse for me there is New Year's juice, like New Year, New Me, New Year's juice. And you know what I mean by that. Whenever you start the new year, the ball drops, clock hits zero, January 1, there is always this feeling of optimism. At the same time, there is the understanding that there has to be some changes made internally. Like, hey, if, if I want to be healthier, guess what? I got to get a gym membership. I got to spend some money. I got to eat a little bit differently. I have to set new habits. There's an understanding there needs to be change, but there's excitement because of the new opportunity in the new year and the way this thing is headed. More on that in a second. The bad right now, the change that's needed is on the offensive side. There is a feeling around Josh Gaddis that maybe there'll be a co-OC system next year or people are, are going so far as to say maybe they just have him take another job. Like there's a lot of theories out there. Regardless, the, uh, I mean, the offense as a whole needs to improve. They scored 19 points a game last year. That is losing football. Not just bad football, that is losing football. 114th in the country is 19 points a game. That ain't good. Only 131 teams. I'm not saying anything that y'all don't already know. As Miami Hurricane fans, this is the bad. This is what needs to be changed. Now, here's the reason for optimism. Here is the excitement piece. First, you got a quarterback that's shown he can do it before. I have a hard time believing that Tyler Van Dyke just lost all his ability from one year in 2021 to 2022. I think he's got it under the hood. I think there's some things schematically and internally that need to be corrected to encourage that optimism. Recruiting really well. You brought Mario Cristobal there to flip things around. It's taken a little bit of time, as these things sometimes do, more often than not do. Recruiting is tail off, man. I mean, number six class in the country at the time of us being live right now, Perhaps more importantly, number one class in the ACC, that's right, ahead of Clemson, number one class, state of Florida. So they're going into different living rooms with a losing record, having not made a bowl game and getting recruits over Florida, over Florida State. Some of that could be NIL fueled. I don't think that's a far-fetched observation based on what they've done and how much John Ruiz has been aggressive in that space. But regardless, talent acquisition, we keep saying if that's the name of the game, Miami is doing a good job in that space. So you're telling me we, we're getting some ingredients here to cook with. We're getting some ingredients here where we can make some exciting things happen. So sit tight. There's cause for optimism. There's cause for excitement. But you understand what has to be changed. Something has to be tinkered with whether it's that starting lineup on offense, whether it is play calling responsibilities and how that's shared, or whether you bring in somebody else to co-OC, there's got to be some sort of solution there because you can't stay the same in that field offensively and expect to get a different result. 
what do they say? The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That can't be how Miami lives. And I don't think that will be how Miami lives with Mario Cristobal running the show. Give it some time. I'm a believer in Super Mario. All right. Now, the third team here has, I think, the, the best opportunity. They're in a really special place, in my opinion, in terms of this whole state of Florida hierarchy. The feeling around Florida State is the stage is set. The stage is set. Everything that we want to accomplish has built up to year four under Mike Norvell. Let's do it now. I said it in a previous segment. They've built this elite program, this elite weapon, this Death Star for the last three years. Year four is where you do some damage. Year four is where you beat Clemson. Year four is where you win the ACC and establish yourself for the second year in a row as the top dog in the state of Florida. If you go 4-0 from 2022 to 2023 between Florida and Miami, you can, I've said it before, establish yourself as, hey, come play for us. We beat Miami and we beat Florida. Right now, they have the number 19 class in the on-three team consensus recruiting rankings. If they have another good year, if they build on what they did last year, that's going to change. That will not stay the same. A college football playoff appearance would plant you on top of this state very, very firmly. And the reason why this is so important, to be the top program in a state with so much talent and just to be able to sell winning and development, that goes a long way. Because if you add some of the top talent from this state, that starts to widen the gap. You can do a lot with just putting a, a fence around the state of Florida and getting the top guys there. That can make you very, very elite nationally. So for Florida State, tremendous opportunity. You got Jordan Travis back. You got Jared Verse back. You've built to it now. Year four, go cash in. The stage is set. Go put on a show. If you put on a show, a lot of individuals will want to attend namely recruits. So I think right now they're poised to make a lot of noise within that state. Very, very excited to watch Florida State this coming year. But for Florida, it's on-edge energy. I wouldn't panic. I don't think it's Billy Napier's Florida program just yet, but they're a little bit on edge, which is understandable. For Miami, give it some time. Give it some time. The feeling is New Year's juice. Got some juice from a new year, turning the page a little bit. Last year was what it was. Got to have some changes. We understand that. Can't live the same lifestyle and expect to get healthier. But there's excitement because you're recruiting really well. And I truly believe I might be in the, the minority here. I, I think TVD has still got it. Just got to tinker with that and put him in position to succeed. And then for Florida State, like I just said, the stage is set. Time to put on a show. But whoever can establish dominance in the Sunshine State, could be king of the hill and, and could be set up to do some really good things in the future, just based on how much talent is there. So that's my feel on the state of Florida. That is a battle that we're going to watch because UCF, we've, we've talked about it here. UCF is joining the party here very, very soon. Going to join the Big 12. They're going to be a, a power five team in that state. There's a lot you can pitch you for UCF. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Shout out to the podcast, man. I feel like the podcast is like the back row of this show, like, like if we're a concert, we have the, the, the people that are live and that tune in with us every single week, like shout out, shout out to the back row of the podcast. If you're listening to this back, y'all are our people too, man. We appreciate that. Speaking of joining parties, Texas and Oklahoma 
are heading to the Southeastern Conference here in the not too distant future. Everyone wants to speculate, will they be ready? Is Texas and Oklahoma ready? That's like the trendy thing to say right now. Here's the reality, Texas and Oklahoma are not ready to join the SEC today. The beautiful reality of that as well, they don't have to join the SEC today. They got a little bit, but has, as they prep for the SEC, there's some interesting facets to look at. And to start with this whole conversation, what is the lifeblood of college football? What, I mean, what do different outlets put on different shows for extended periods of time throughout the entirety of one day? National Signing Day because of talent acquisition. And talent acquisition right now for Texas and Oklahoma at the high school level, where you need to build it from, I think is at a really competitive spot, right around where, where it needs to be. Not where it needs to be to win national titles, but right around where it needs to be to be competitive. Texas right now, time of us being live, number three class in the on three consensus team recruiting rankings behind Georgia and Alabama. It's pretty good company to share the podium with. They have been top five these last two years in terms of their class ranking. Now, Oklahoma's in the top 10 with a new head coach chilling in the top 10. And Oklahoma's got number seven class right now. And if they were to be in the SEC today, that would rank right around number five, assuming Texas were in that conversation as well. So over the last three years, Oklahoma's had a top 10 class. So they're building talent to be able to be competitive when they get to the SEC. Like the SEC is just full of Ferraris and Porsches and if you're Texas and Oklahoma, you pull up with a bunch of like top 20, top 15 recruiting classes, you're pulling up in a Honda Civic and trying to drag race. Like we, we got problems. We can't even really have a, a serious conversation back and forth if we're not having recruiting at a competitive level. And the good news is I think Texas and Oklahoma will both pull up with pretty decent vehicles, pretty solid sports cars. So that's the encouraging thing. Are they ready today? Today, Junior, probably not, but they're building this thing to be competitive when they pull up on the scene in the Southeastern Conference. Y'all, we appreciate you so much for being tuned in. If you haven't yet subscribed and joined this community, this party, as I like to say, we would love to have y'all here. Shout out to y'all Texas and Oklahoma fans that have joined us throughout the course of this last season. I've had a ton of y'all DMing me in, in the comment section and subscribing, so thank you for that. And again, if you haven't yet, no time like the present. We'd love to have you a part of this thing as we continue to move forward throughout this whole offseason they tell you about. There's no offseason. College football is a year-round deal. Welcome to the party. Also, follow me. Hit me up on Instagram and on Twitter, at JDPakel. Just love to hear from y'all and love to do more content that you ultimately would like to see. In the conference realignment conversation, positioning is everything. Success right now matters a lot for when you get to that next spot, when you get to the SEC. Here's what I mean. If Texas and Oklahoma both win six games next year, how would you perceive them? What are the talking points around those programs going into 2024? For Oklahoma, it's where's this going with Brent Venables? Is this going to work? Is he ready to be a head coach? I mean, two years of six wins is not horrible. But with how he's recruiting, with what they have on that roster, six wins, are we sure? Okay, we'll, we'll let it sit, but I'm not so sure about Oklahoma. For Texas, the conversation is probably even a little bit ramped up to where you say, how long does Sarkeesian have? 
How long does he have? Because we, we went five and seven, then we won eight games, and now we're back to six wins. Mm-mm. Don't think that's going to work. To switch that perspective, if you're a recruit and you're watching this whole thing go down and they're going to the SEC pretty soon, that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, does it? You're likely saying, huh, I think I'll go to Georgia. I think I'll go to Alabama. I think I'll go to LSU. Because what I'm seeing right now is not super inspiring in terms of how competitive they'll be in the SEC. So having some momentum around them is everything. Texas this year, I said it before, I think they're in a ROI kind of year. Give me some return on investment. There's been a lot put forward into that program, a lot of resources. They've recruited really well. Evidently, this is a show-me year for Texas. To me, I think it looks like a, a, a Big 12 title appearance is what I'd love to see from the Longhorns. For Oklahoma, this is a show-me growth year. Let's get eight wins. Seven wins is improvement. Seven wins in a bowl game. Show me this thing is trending in the right direction. Show me progress. Show me something that I could be a part of. Because in recruiting, I'll just be real, a lot of it is marketing and optics. A lot of it is, is, is making that sales pitch to that high school senior with a bunch of stars next to their name and saying, we can help you and we're going to be fun to play for and we're going to win a lot of games. If they can have positive trends forward this coming year, a positive trajectory this year, Texas and Oklahoma, that's going to do a lot for them as they move towards the SEC. So this is a, a big year, a big year in terms of positioning as the SEC entry gets closer and closer and closer. Big optics year for both those teams. Now, here's what I think doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Quarterbacks, everything in this sport. I've told this story a few times here. Bill Polian was the GM for the Colts for a really long time. Had a lot of success. And I was fortunate enough to be at the personnel symposium this past summer in Nashville. And Bill Pullian spoke, and he was breaking down what you need at different positions. Hey, at a wide receiver, look for this kind of speed, this kind of build. At linebacker, we like to see this on film. And he breaks it all down. And he gets to the quarterback at the end of his speech. And he just kind of drops the mic and says, if you get the quarterback right, that accounts for about 60% of your problems. Mic drop. Like, like that was just kind of the most simplistic way to put it. And a guy who had Peyton Manning as his quarterback, and I know it's the NFL, so it's a different game. But you hear what I'm saying here. I think the sentiment still rings true. For Texas and Oklahoma, they've got quarterbacks of the future. For Texas, Arch Manning. If you hit on Arch Manning, the way that a lot of people perceive that he could hit at the college level. That changes the, that changes the entire complexion of your program going forward. For Oklahoma, same conversation. Jackson Arnold at a Denton Geyer, Gatorade National Player of the Year. They don't just hand those out. These guys could be the difference makers for you. One, from just a gameplay standpoint, the majority of these teams' offenses go through the quarterback. As they go, so does the team go. So that's the first piece. The second piece is if they're successful, a lot of skill players, a lot of players in general, will gravitate towards that. They'll see the Arch Manning highlights. They'll see the Jackson Arnold success and say, huh, I want to go play for that guy. He can get me the football. Hey, if I go play defense for one of those schools, I know that when I get a stop on third and seven and I get off the field, I have some confidence that our quarterback is going to be capable of cashing in. So it, it, it's a, a ripple effect that it sends having the quarterback position right. 
And according to us here at On3, if you were to factor in Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC, these guys are top three quarterbacks in their class. Nico Iamaliava of Tennessee is the other quarterback. So you have the guys if you're talking about how you set up for the future. In theory, you have the better quarterback than Georgia or the better quarterback than Alabama. Texas and Oklahoma, if they hit on the quarterback, that changes the story as they get to the SEC. Because if nothing changes, if everything stays consistent right now, those would likely be the players that are leading your offenses when you get to the Southeastern Conference. So I'm excited to watch that whole thing unfold. Are they ready today? No. Do they have to be? No. Recruiting right now is at a competitive spot. They're in a place where they probably need to still keep stacking classes, but they're not pulling up to the SEC in a Honda Civic and you're up there racing with Ferraris. That's the great news. Positioning is everything. This year is very crucial to how they will be perceived at a public level, but even more importantly, a talent acquisition and recruiting at the high school level. Just show positive optics. Show a positive trend going forward to attract the right guys to come and play for you and continue building on that recruiting base that you've built so far. And you got the quarterback spot right. To this point in the process, before they've played a college football game, you feel really good about who you have in-house. And Arch Manning for Texas and Jackson Arnold for Oklahoma. So for Texas and OU, the SEC prep continues, but the beautiful part about it is we'll get to settle it all between the white lines here in the not-too-distant future by Texas and uh, Oklahoma uh, set for the SEC very, very soon. I cannot wait. Can you imagine Red River with SEC conference championship implications? Jackson Darnold on one side, Arch Manning on the other set to play for the golden cowboy hat. Like that's, that's awesome, man. That is why we love this sport. And conference realignment messes a little bit with some of the things that we hold dear from a tradition standpoint. But when it gets here, we're still going to love that. And having that rivalry stay consistent is something we're going to love too. Now, another rivalry that's being reborn here, Colorado and Nebraska. You're going to have Coach Rule. You're going to have Coach Prime. They'll actually get that one going this year, Coach Rule and Coach Prime, so that'll be a whole lot of fun to watch that one. But it just sets the table a little bit for what I want to talk about. First-year expectations for three different coaches. Coach Prime at Colorado, Matt Rule at Nebraska, and Hugh Freeze in the Auburn Tigers. It's their first year. I've said it before. Not all first-year opportunities are created equal, but what can you expect reasonably from these three coaches, from a win total perspective. I want to start with Matt Rule. Matt Rule and Nebraska are in a rebuilding phase. More on that in a second. He is a good recruiter. Matt Rule is a good recruiter. He's a great developer. He's a very good developer. He can do more with less. I'm not saying Nebraska is going to have less, but if they have the roster they have right now, he's going to be able to get more out of that. I firmly believe that. Example of this, Jalen Petrie showed up to Baylor. He was a linebacker. He was a safety. They weren't sure what to make of him. Trusted the process. Stayed at Baylor. Stayed there when Matt Rule got there. They developed him and made him into a second-round pick. He was a three-star out of high school, making plays in the league right now. That, to me, is just a microcosm of what Matt Rule and his staff that he has now, a lot of those guys from Baylor, followed him to Nebraska, staff he has now can make some things shake. 
as it pertains to the record for Nebraska, I would expect right around five-ish wins with that sixth win could very, very possibly be the game against Iowa to finish the year. If you get to six wins and win a bowl game, great. You're pumped about that. But I want to zoom out just a little bit. You didn't hire Matt Rule for 2023 success. When you hired Matt Rule, you hired a contractor, not a handyman. He's rebuilding Nebraska. He's not fixing Nebraska. This is a demo day, knock out the foundation, knock out the roof, redo the living room. Like This is a full-on rebuild. And it takes a second to rebuild a whole building. It takes a second to rebuild a nice house. But Matt Rule has experience in doing that. So 2023 should not formulate your entire opinion on what he's going to be for Nebraska. Give it a little bit of time. Five-ish wins is a conservative estimate from my end. I think six is very, very doable. And we posed the same question to the Twitter sphere at Judy Pakel. You can follow me there and contribute to the conversation that we have on this show pretty frequently. I saw everything from one and 11 to win a national championship. So there's a pretty broad spectrum here of what the expectations are. I'm sure some of those are hyperbolic, but five-ish wins, getting to six is awesome and is attainable. That's where I think the expectations should live. Now, like I said, the Twitter sphere is a great place to find me on Instagram and on Twitter at JD Pakel. But we'd love to have y'all subscribe to this channel just to continue building forward what y'all have already allowed us to cultivate here within this program. It is the people's show. It is everything that you know, that we know, that I know, that we love about this beautiful sport. It doesn't take breaks. College football is a year-round affair. That's why we're very privileged and grateful to y'all for allowing us to do this show year-round, live on Tuesdays and Thursdays as we are right now. So lock in with us. We'll have a good time. Welcome to the party. Let's talk about Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Now, in Auburn, Alabama, there has been a change in the way they do things. It used to be when Brian Harson was there and the powers that be, it was a, a back and forth. They were, they were playing tug of war, it felt like, in different directions. Now, you have Hugh Freeze and the power pushing the program in the same direction which I think could be a very exciting thing for the Auburn Tiger faithful. They've been very active in the portal. Time of us being live right now, number four transfer portal class. They've added 12 different cats to help them in year one. And they've made strides to retool that defense that allowed around 30 points a game. So I think that will be substantially better if they can make good on that depth and mesh quickly. Like They've added a lot of the personnel to be able to cut that number down quite a bit. The key variable for me, the hinge point, if you will, for those of y'all that have rocked with us for a while here, Robbie Ashford and the progress that he's able to make for me is the difference between five wins on the low end and eight wins if he's able to really thrive in this system. Because Hugh Freeze has had success with project quarterbacks, right? Like Malik Willis from Auburn came to Liberty, went and got drafted. I'm not saying Robbie Ashford's going to go be an NFL quarterback. He very well may be, but I'm just saying whatever you saw last year from Robbie Ashford, it's fair to have hesitations about. But I don't think it's unreasonable to the same token to think that he can make some really tremendous strides going forward. Sometimes all it takes, y'all, is having the right coach. 
Sometimes all it takes is the right system because quarterback, you get all the praise, you get all the criticism, but so much of what that position entails is the variables around you. The, the, what you have on the offensive line, what you have at the offensive coordinator spot, what you have at the weapons. like There's so much that you take criticism for as a quarterback in the SEC that doesn't exactly pertain to you. So I think Hugh Freeze and this system could very much so cater to Robbie Ashford. So my expectation from a win total perspective, I think seven's pretty fair. I think seven splitting the difference between five wins and eight wins, I guess I'm leaning a little bit more on the high end there with seven wins. I think that's very fair. Now, they would have to, like I said, make those strides on offense, and Robbie Ashford has to make those strides, but they're dangerous now looking forward just even past 2023 because of those resources and the coaching staff, mainly Hugh Freeze, pushing the same direction. Auburn isn't some slouch of a program now that's just trying to figure it out and, and make, do, do we care about football? Do we have the right support behind it? When Brian Harson was there, it wasn't a matter of we're not going to, you know, we, we just can't get it done. It was a matter of, hey, we're, we're not lining up here. Powers that be and the head coach, we're not lining up here. Now we're all pushing the thing the same direction, which is very exciting for the folks at Auburn and is very dangerous for the rest of the college football landscape. So for 2023, I think it's very fair to have seven wins as the expectation for the Tigers going forward. How about Colorado and Coach Prime? Another school, another coach that's been very active in the portal. We told you they would be. You probably already knew that you would be, that that would be because of how much you know, we enjoy this sport and how much we know about Coach Prime and what he did at Jackson State. He is following a 40-40-20 model, which can be broken down as this. 40% right now in terms of guys they bring in will be grad transfers. The other 40% will be undergraduate transfers. That 80% is guys that can make you competitive right away, can help you in year one, is supposed to help you win games starting in the fall. The 20% is high school recruits. That's going to help in the staying power going forward. That is, that is what you're going to build your base from for the future. I believe this model will change as they get further and further into Coach Prime's time there. But they've added 24 transfers. At this point in time, they have the number two transfer portal class, does Colorado. The foundation of the house was a 111 foundation. Coach Prime put the goggles on. He probably had some cool goggles, though. He probably had, like, some sick shades. Put them on, put on the hard hat, got the sledgehammer, boom, 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 boom. Taking that foundation out, got to revamp it, got to put a new foundation to make us competitive on day one. That's now what's happening in Boulder, Colorado. Now, here's the, the reason that I'm a little bit concerned for Colorado in 2023. It's not because I don't think they'll have a, a decent roster. I think they will. But let's take a look at the schedule right here. Really hone in on that first five. You're at TCU. You got Nebraska. Colorado State at Oregon, USC. TCU playoff team last year. Oregon very well could have been a playoff team at different points. USC, they were a game away from being a playoff team. Nebraska, I think they'll be a tough out with Matt Rule. This schedule, the, the, the first part of it at least, concerns me a little bit. The number in Vegas right now is five and a half wins. Five and a half wins is what Vegas is dangling in front of you saying, do you think they'll win less or more than that? That's the over-under right now. I think the expectations for Colorado, a fair expectation, 
based on the schedule, based on the transition period, is five. I think five wins is a reasonable place to live. Now, if they get to six, phenomenal. Great, we'll take it. But same thing, like I said, with Matt Rule. You didn't bring Deion Sanders here to go and make noise in 2023. And he's done that already in the recruiting trail. Do not get it twisted. Number two transfer portal class. Got Travis Hunter there with him. Like, they're, they're going to have some talent, but they got to put it together and they got to get a roster that is capable of competing week in and week out with some of the guys that they have on this schedule with TCU, Nebraska, Oregon, USC, especially TCU, Oregon, USC. Like, that will be trial by fire. Isn't the worst thing. A lot of it to me depends on Shadur Sanders. I think the transition from the FCS to the FBS level is sometimes a difficult one. Shadur Sanders sounds like he's cut out for it. I'm very excited to see how he responds. Very excited to see how he responds. Did a lot of great things for Jackson State. So we'll get a great feel for Colorado, I think, pretty early on. But going back to what I said, if they don't have the success that some people expect them to, like if, if they're not winning eight games, nine games in year one, that is not in any way, shape, or form a commentary on Deion Sanders. If you're a teacher and you take over a class that is, for the most part, failing, you try and bring in some students that are, that are bright and going to help you and, and maybe sort of change the, the temperature in that room a little bit. But if you take over a class that is failing, it might take a second to teach those students how to succeed. If in the first semester, for the majority, there is a poor grade on that class, it's not the teacher's fault. You're just inheriting a failing situation. In Colorado, Last year, went 111, a failing situation. So don't make any absolute statements on Deion Sanders as a head coach. They're doing the right things right now. It's a tough gauntlet, but I think he will eventually get that thing headed in the right direction. So very excited to watch that. But like I said, Matt Rule, Nebraska, you hired a contractor, you didn't hire a handyman. Same thing with Deion Sanders. It's going to be the long game with them. Now for Auburn... It all hinges on Robbie Ashford. Been active in the portal. Done a lot of good things on that side in terms of talent acquisition. They're going to get it revved up. Administration, head coach, powers that be, we're all pushing the same direction now. Dangerous for everybody else. But if Robbie Ashford can progress the way that Hugh Freeze would like him to, it's going to be some good things at Auburn, Alabama. But first year in the saddle for those coaches, we're going to keep these kind of segments rolling going to hear from y'all about what other first-year coaches you want us to talk about, but Nebraska, Auburn, Colorado, all fascinating to me and very much looking forward to seeing what they do between the white lines in 2023. I cannot wait for the Amazon Prime episode to come out on Coach Prime. Like, it's, it's so perfect that Amazon Prime and Coach Prime have their own deal. That's great. That's marketing 101, it seems like, but That'll be a lot of fun to get the behind-the-scenes look at what's going on in Boulder, Colorado. Because the clips that come out on Twitter, I've seen the Colorado team meeting room in the last two months more than I ever have in my entire life. More than I've ever seen really any team meeting room on Twitter. So that access is phenomenal, and I'm sure it'll make for a great television product as well. Golly, just 200-some-odd days till we get back to toe meeting leather. But 
plenty to talk about still in this beautiful game. Now bringing on the pride of Owensboro, Kentucky. Best producer in the game. Heavy lifter extraordinaire. You know him, you love him. Bringing in the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, JD? It's good to see you, man. Good to see you, brother. Looking good, looking good. That sweater is nice. I know. Uh, is very nice. My mother got it for me for Christmas, so uh, thank you very much, Mom. Yeah. Um, got some questions today uh, here on, from our Twitter, from your Twitter, I should say. Um, st we're going to start with at j.wit. JD, what's it going to take for Georgia to have a historic 3 P? It all comes down to the quarterback position. Great question, J-Dot. You got Carson Beck, you got Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton, probably make some noise in that battle before it's all said and done. Everything else around that quarterback spot, I think, is in a good position. Um, Lad McConkie's going to be a guy. Dominic Lovett's going to be a guy. Brock Bowers, I think, has a very real conversation to be the very best player in college football. Might end up being one of the highest draft picks this time next year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of tools around him whoever him is at the quarterback spot but can the quarterback be the guy can you be the catalyst going forward because I think that's the only thing that from a broad strokes perspective at least could hold George back now it's very difficult to speak in absolutes because you got 18 and 22 year olds we're going to say that a lot until we get into the actual gameplay and probably even then we'll talk about that but I think the quarterback spot is the one thing I'm watching so if you're talking about what, what, what could hold Georgia back what could hold back Georgia, I think, is Georgia. Like, the SEC is brutal, and they'll have to play Tennessee, and I'm sure they'll play somebody just fierce in the SEC title game, as they always do, whoever ends up in that game. But I think Georgia and the quarterback spot is what I'm watching most closely. Great question, though. Nick, you teed that up like a pro. Well, thank you, man. Um, this next one coming from Wallace Barry at Dragon underscore, underscore actual one. JD, who is the one quarterback that has everything in place but needs to have a great year himself in order for his team to succeed. I love, I love that username. It's like stepbrothers. Dragon actual. You have to call me Dragon. <laughs> or you have to call me Nighthawk. Uh, great Wonderful. question. The school that comes to mind for me is Texas in Queen Ewers. There's probably a couple different directions you could go. If you said Florida State, I would probably buy that as well. But Quinn Ewers has 10 of 11 starters coming back. Last year, it was sort of, uh, okay, we got a lot of youth around us. Bijan Robinson, let's feed him, and let's try and take some pressure off Quinn Ewers, at least in the early going, and ease him into it. This has to be a, a Quinn Ewers-led attack. Like, you have more experience now than you've ever had. You've got a lot of pressure on your program, like we talked about earlier in this live show. This, to me, is the year where there's less excuses built out for Quinn Ewers. You can't use the youth ex uh, excuse for him or his offense anymore. So Quinn Ewers and then having some success there, uh, I think there's a lot built out around him. And also the Big 12, like we said, it's not a gauntlet. Like, it's, it's not a walk in the park either, but I don't know who you would tab as the favorite to win the Big 12 conference this year. TCU played for the freaking national title, and they didn't even win the Big 12. So I think uh, Quinn Ewers is a guy that you expect a lot from this year and has less excuses built around him than maybe some other guys do across the country. Probably a lot of answers there, Nick, but mm -hmm. uh, I like actual dragon bringing some fire to the show. Yeah, the, it's Pun the intended. actual dragon, too, you know, just not, not any other dragon. It's, this is no faux dragon, now. <laughs> this, is, this is, oh, oh I mean, it's a dragon. Yep, yep, absolutely. Hey, this, <laughs> this last question, J.D., um, unfortunately, it's not from, at, uh, from actual dragon, but it is from at A Weeks 91, another 
Um, good question. What do you think about the Garrett hire, or excuse me, the Garrett Riley hire for Clemson? And how do you see Clemson's offense uh, shaping up next season? Garrett Riley, the new man calling plays in Clemson, South Carolina, younger brother of Lincoln Riley. Now, Garrett Riley coming from TCU, where they were scoring right around 40 points a game. Going to get Max Duggan drafted. Quentin Johnston will be drafted very high from that offense, I, I would imagine as well. Kendra Miller, the running back, over 1,000 yards last year. I'm very excited to watch this offense. It will be very much so a pace and space kind of approach. They're going to put the ball in the perimeter, let their fast guys be fast. They're going to run the football as well. They're going to play with a certain tempo about themselves and try and run a lot of plays and confuse your personnel. They're going to try and, and really just put one person in conflict and make them decide. So schematically, I think they are set up for more success. I think it'll be a really quarterback-friendly system for Cade Klubnik as he takes his first year behind the sticks. My one concern for Clemson is, do they have the personnel at receiver? Antonio Williams, I think, will have a huge year. He is one of those guys on that roster that kind of brings the speed element. He's great in the slot. He can stretch the field a little bit. But outside of Antonio Williams, who else do you have that can pop the top on a defense? That, to me, will be the question mark. But honestly, schematically, I'm a really big fan of what Clemson's going to do. Just do they have the Jimmys and the Joes to execute the X's and the O's? But Garrett Riley, I think, was a home run hire by Dabo Sweeney. That was, I mean, that took everybody by surprise. We saw that one on the ticker. So that was uh, a move that could send ripple effects across not just the ACC, but the college football playoff race. Yep, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I think about that, Nick. Uh, Nick, are you... Uh, you, you checking out of here, brother? Yeah, I'm going to check out. I'm going to go uh, get these uh, clips ready for us, J.D., so people can watch the short forms later on YouTube. There we go. And I'll see you, there we I guess, go. Tuesday. We appreciate you for your service, Nick Break. Again, Nick Break, heavy lifter extraordinaire, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky. Doing everything you see on YouTube, getting the podcast out there, man, I'm telling you, nobody better in the whole game. We appreciate you rocking with us, man. We are live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. Golly, this is fun. It is January, and we're talking college football. We had to figure out what segments we didn't want to do for this show. So appreciate y'all keeping me up on Twitter. Keep hitting me up on Instagram. I promise you, I do eventually get to what y'all are DMing me, and, and we appreciate all that you're throwing our way in terms of stuff that you want to hear. The back and forth of the community, the interaction, man. That's what makes this so fun. That's what makes this special. Tons of joy over on this side. If you want to talk more about that joy, hit me in the DMs at JD Pakel, Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.